0: plan is simple, Tony. And let me say this before I give you my plan. Mr. Race, seven-time world champion. He's been down this road once or twice, had not
1: he? He really has. You know?
0: Yes, sir. He's the only man I've ever taken advice from in the Squared Circle. And Mr. Race and myself, we've devised a plan for me to be the longest reigning world champion in the history of the WCW. Because we all know Vader, he fears no man. And he feels.
2: No pain. He uh, is the world anyway
0: game. So, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Literally the third, and I'm not joined by Jack and JDB today. They are, you know. They they weren't invited on this episode um, because (laughs) I wanted some experts, some real people who know what we're talking about today. Because today we're talking about some wrestling, some good old fashioned professional wrestling, and I wanted some of the best people on the internet for wrestling. And today we have Murder Brian from Street Fight. Hey. And we also have uh, Mayhem Kath from (laughs) WrestleSplainia. Hi. And uh, several other podcasts. You have a lot of podcasts, don't you? I have you?
1: way too many podcasts. What t- I <laughs> currently have three.
0: What many. a time to be alive and um the one about liars. Yeah, too, right?
1: lie, cheat and steal.
0: Yeah, which is also a wrestling tech a wrestling you got that from Eddie Guerrero, right?
1: <laughs> we didn't actually, but we did do an episode about the Montreal screw job. So yes. there is some crossover.
0: Yes, very good. I was recently <laughs> on. I was recently on uh, street fight with Brian, and we talked a lot, a whole bunch of stuff on a bonus episode. So you, you should definitely check that out. You should support all of Cat's five or six um, <laughs> podcasts as well. But t- t- today, this is a bonus uh, episode of Struggle Session for our uh, spe- our subscribers. So we wanted to give you something special, something you're not going to get anywhere else. Like just, just this, you know. This trio of wrestling Twitter leftists, um, who, who are just going to explain to you like why wrestling basically. This is gonna be a leftist guide to wrestling. And I because a lot of people, you know, there's wrestling Twitter and then there's leftist Twitter and there's this weird overlap. And people who you might follow somebody because they're they post a lot of good stuff about healthcare or immigration. Uh yeah, yeah, yada, yada. And then they'll, like, spend a whole Saturday posting gifs of people dropping each other on their head. <laughs> and you might be wondering, what's going on there? Why is that happening? And we want to kind of give an explainer uh, to you folks. And for the folks who have kind of fallen into wrestling because of leftists, we want to give you, you know, like, some good bedrock so you help help you understand and, you know, get your feet wet and get into wrestling uh, full-blown. Full so I'm very excited about this.
1: Me too. I'm pumped.
2: I love talking about wrestling. I just I finished doing another wrestling
0: podcast fifteen minutes before we started this. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like look look, we're just making dates here. That's what you that's what you say in the wrestling business when you're when you're doing a bunch of shows. Uh we're doing all these shows. We're we're very busy people, but we're giving you the best. The best we're sa- we save the best for this episode of exactly. struggle session. Absolutely. I mean I definitely
1: did, because before this, I was also talking about wrestling, but it was to my very sweet parents, who I just got to their house for, I'm staying here for a couple days, and uh, they asked me about a show I was going to on Sunday, and then... Their eyes sort of glazed over and they smiled at me politely while I explained (laughs) the relationship between Evolve and WWE. And they sort of nodded politely and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go do my podcast now. Oh, wow.
0: That is farther than I ever got with my (laughs) parents. They're very
1: supportive. They don't understand it, but they're very supportive.
0: My dad was
2: the type of dad that says, "You know, this shit's fake." Like he would just be like, "You know, this shit's fake," and I'm like, "Oh, thanks." So is your, so is Star Trek nerd. (laughs) (laughs)
3: My
0: my dad never made fun of it because his dad really really liked wrestling. Like he would he would tell me stories about he would get so into it. My dad, my grandfather was a coal miner out in. uh, uh, harlan county kentucky and he just loved to stay at home and uh watch wrestling on tv on sundays and he was like and he was a big big man too but he was like he would almost like jump out of his seat like fighting at the tv as well because he was so into uh professional wrestling so it it ran in my family a little bit. i guess it skips a generation so maybe both of your grandparents are into wrestling <laughs> no so your my...
1: dad not into it leslie but your grandfather
0: into it yes
2: my family likes to think that like we're these like uh aristocrat family from England and they would never like be into re- it's a very strange thing with them cuz then they raised me in this really rednecky neighborhood and we didn't have any money and I got super into wrestling. I think the two things that my dad is most disappointed in about me is that I love country music and wrestling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So, I guess that's a good place to start. Like, there's really like a class, in America at least, when it comes to wrestling, there's really like a class. Huge class divide. Like wrestling is for poor people, it's for regnates. it's for uh, black people. It's not for like upper crust, upper class uh, white people. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why uh, I haven't, re- I've never really figured out. I just hear the barbs and the jabs. But what, why, why do you think that is? How did wrestling become such a lower class thing? Because I don't necessarily think in the entire history it was always like this, and it's not like this in, say, Japan, where there's... Because in Japan, whenever you watch a wrestling show in Japan, like, the front row is nothing but, like, businessmen in suits, uh, right. usually. I think, first of all, I think rich people have,
2: like, plays and stuff like that, which <laughs> is roughly the same thing, but they're yeah. boring. I
3: guess. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and like, uh I think the Attitude Era, which is an era of yeah. wrestling that I don't love, I think that... Is what did it because I, you know, I joked around about my dad hating it, but my dad took me, my dad, I remember being at a bowling alley and standing with my dad and watching Hulk Hogan and Andre, the giant confront each other on Saturday night's main event. And he was into it and he, he thought it was really cool. And I I really think that, you know, the attitude era kind of made it something different, something maybe a little grosser or lowbrow.
1: Yeah, yeah I... you know, it's interesting the, the sort of, like, high culture, low culture divide with wrestling because, like, I, like I'm a newer fan, right? I, I've i gotten into it in the last, like, maybe two years. Um, I certainly had watched a little bit before then, like, it with friends. Like, I'd go to, you know, a WrestleMania watch party or something and I enjoyed it, but I didn't really get into it until I was dating someone who was super into it and I went to some live shows and then I was, like, jumped in with both feet. Right? And I grew up pretty, like, upper to upper middle class uh environment like and my mom is an art history teacher right so like i grew up with a pretty i wouldn't say that like i grew up in like a snobby environment or anything but like art is important in my family and like i went to plays as a kid and all of that stuff that is sort of bougie entertainment and coming to wrestling late with that sort of background um i feel like a lot of people who do that because it has this reputation as sort of a low art can be very patronizing about it and act like they are the first person to discover that wrestling is more dynamic than just like cheap carny stuff. And I I think that like a lot of, I think a lot of people who didn't grow up with it are like, even if they're fans are like, uh, they think they have more insight than they do. And, like as someone coming to it late from that background who like does a podcast about it i tried very hard not to think about it that way does that make sense
0: yes yeah i i I just want to tell you uh i asked uh some of our listeners if they had any questions and one of the first things uh, one of our listeners said is that they got into wrestling because of your show so uh Thank you uh, for that, for uh, spreading the word on wrestling. So you, you, you came into wrestling um, late, and you kind of fell in love with it. Why?
1: I think there's a couple of reasons. I think a big one is that I'm a live performer, too. I'm, I'm a stand-up. So I really love crowd energy. I, I really get like really excited when I'm uh, experiencing like, a gr- experiencing something with a group of people live. Um, I, I think that like a lot of what I loved about stand up and that live environment, I can't really enjoy it anymore now that I do it because I am too analytical about, um, the, the sort of craft of it. And wrestling allows me to like really lose myself in that sort of live environment and not worry about sort of how this emotion is produced within me and just experience the emotion. Like I feel... I've said this to Brian before. I feel kind of like an ego death when I watch wrestling. And so like, I don't know. I think when we're talking about this sort of class thing, it's like there are so many levels on which to enjoy it. You can enjoy, I, I like to enjoy it on that sort of visceral, emotional level. But you can also enjoy it on a technical level or like a more analytical level. Um, but I think that's what I really responded to is just the catharsis of being in a crowd and just sort of the, the barriers between you and the other people sort of dissolve and you become this like one organic being responding to this like crazy entertaining spectacle. It's just entertainment on every level. I think it's so much fun.
0: So, Brian, what, what, what do you love about wrestling?
2: I mean, I like, uh, I I'm, I'm really into the athleticism of it. See, like I came to it. So I watched it a lot as a kid And then as late in my teen years, I watched it again a lot. And then I hadn't watched it for about 15 years. And then the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania happened. Like WrestleMania 30. And it it got me back into it. And I think, like... I just like the I like athlet I like the athleticism I like the tricks and um you know Kath brought this up I like the cheap carny aspect of it I like <laughs> carnies I like con men and I like the yeah. cheapness of it like I'm not one of these guys that's gonna run around and tell you like wrestling is actually art it's like well it is art but it's also like cheap entertainment. Yeah, I can be silly and like really I I like the honesty weirdly enough, I like the honesty of wrestling about (laughs) it knows what it is, you know? Yeah.
1: I think like the biggest problem I have with the statement wrestling is actually art is the word actually. (laughs)
3: Like
1: that's the thing that's like it's just like, why are we putting up these barriers? No, it's a con job, it's a carny con job muscle pageant that also is like can be very transcendent and beautiful beyond that but like at its core it's a trick and that's awesome. And if you ignore that part of it, you're not understanding it. I
2: don't Right, think. Yeah. right. and what you said about being in the cr- the crowd being one organism, like, I would like to add to that, that like one of the things I really love is that we all go to these places and we know this is a work and we don't act that way. I yell at the referee yeah. at shows <laughs> for screwing up. I yell at the heels. I'm like, what
0: the hell's that's going on? That's real deep, that's real deep when you're yelling at the referee. That's you're <laughs> really into it.
2: I, I get that way. I I just start yelling at the referee. I yell at the guys. And like, it just, the crowd, it's the only thing that the crowd really makes. It's like a real, the crowd really makes a difference. The crowd yes. decides the night. And that doesn't happen yeah. anywhere else. That's one of the depressing things about WWE signing these big money contracts is that, that the crowd doesn't make the decisions anymore because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what they do because they make all their money from somewhere else and like that's why i'm super into the indie stuff the crowd makes a match a match can't be considered great if the crowd's not freaking out during the matches
1: yeah i it it is and i think again as a stand-up like a thing that i really respond to in wrestling is that sort of immediate feedback like you don't People are there because they want to fucking freak out. And if you don't make them freak out, then you were not as successful as you could have been. It's, an, it's in some ways, it's it's obviously it is like a very um, subjective art form and, and everybody has different aesthetic taste in what they like in wrestling and everything like that. But at the end of the day, the goal is to have everybody be like you at a show, be into it, be yelling at the ref, be yelling at the heels, and if you don't do that, then you're not successful. It, it, that part of it, to me, is pretty objective, and I think that's really interesting because I think stand up is kind of similar. If you're not making people laugh, you didn't do it right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that live aspect of wrestling, but I feel like, uh, like there's, like you said, there's different levels, and I feel like I've kind of gone through the different levels throughout my life so when I've I always was watching tv as a kid and I just love the characters you know like like when I was like five like I'm not analyzing the technical aspects of anything like that (laughs) but as I became like an older fan I got kind of bigger into the storylines and now I became and then I became like a super like work rate mark is the term where (laughs) work rate just means like wrestle good (laughs) Uh, if you you don't know and so I'm very into like I care less about the characters and the stories uh, when I'm watching at home but when I'm at the show like it's all about like booing the shit out of the heels trying to get them to yell at you trying to get them to spit at you which has happened to me a couple of times (laughs) Um, trying to take a swing at you and cheering on the faces because when you're there like you really feel like you can make a difference there's nothing like being in the front row of like a really good independent wrestling show like it's there's no feeling like it's like being like oh like you like no sporting event can even like even like a real sporting event can't compare because you're going to be farther away and you know you don't actually make a difference like that (laughs) like LeBron like isn't going to turn to you and see you cheer him on and like start doing better like that just doesn't happen (laughs) but that happens in wrestling I've had those moments I've looked into ACH's eyes and said come on and he got up and was able to fight and when like that, like nothing like that happens anywhere else except for in professional wrestling.
1: Yeah. I would say if anybody listening to this is sort of curious, I, my, my advice would be go ask around. If you have friends that um, are in your area that are interested in wrestling, ask them what indie show they'd recommend and just go to an indie show.
2: Yeah. Look Don't for, go
1: to a big thing, go somewhere with like a pretty small audience. You'll still get a great show.
2: Right. Look for, a. I mean, like I always tell people like, if people ask me about it, I will actually. If you ask Murder Brian on Twitter, if you're looking to go to a show near you, I'll tell you. Cause I can, it doesn't take much Googling to figure right. out what the super indie <laughs> is in your area. You yeah. know, like uh, mine's AIW and that, like those experiences, they, those, they're, they're indies that have crowds that love them that use you know the best workers i mean some of the best in the world i don't i that's the other cool thing about wrestling is like just cuz you're independent doesn't mean you're not great you know?
1: yeah <laughs> yeah especially now i mean there you can see people who are you know i mean wwe is its own thing and it it is very dominant but as far as like really talented wrestlers you can see people who are performing in like huge venues who will come to your local indie for the night and it's awesome it's it's not quite like in the old days i'm sure you know the the sort of pre-wwe days when the country was divided up into territories and they had like their own little feds in every town but it is a little bit i think it is more like that than people who don't watch wrestling would think
0: yeah, like, so the, back in the old school days, the territory days, the Halcyon days of our youth, um, our parents' youth, really, <laughs> there were, t- like, wrestling was something you, like, did, like, every Sunday in certain, in many cities around across the country. There were major promotions all over the country, and it was before, like, cable, before, like, big-time syndication, and so when people, when you wanted to watch the wrestling, you didn't turn on your TV, you actually went out to a show paid the uh, wrestling company money. And so that meant that there were a lot more wrestling companies that could afford to run and pay, you know, a decent wage to the wrestlers. That all died once uh, c- because of media cons- consolidation, basically. WWE and WCW basically uh, swallowed up all those companies and then WWE swallowed up WCW. And now there's just really one big company, unfortunately, that can pay like, about, what, 60, 70 wrestlers, like, decent wages, and that's kind of it, like, there's, like, maybe, you know, maybe 10, 20 guys outside WWE in uh, the United States and Canada who are making, like, money like it's a full-time job i I guess i'm in tna too i was reading some people were telling me like tna salaries and they were like like six figures for some people but some people don't get but some people don't get paid at all then (laughs) like they get their checks bounced like it's but like there's like it's really unfortunate like if you're a, a leftist you understand what's going why wrestling is the way it is now because basically one monopoly has swallowed up all the other companies and now they've have their you know 50 60 guys who they keep on their lock and key and can't really do anything to break out because if they get fired or piss off the uh wrong person in charge of the company then like their career is, is almost over because they can't really make uh a decent amount of money in wrestling
1: yeah and if you if you um wanted to i was just talking about this to my parents actually i was when i was explaining wwe to them uh they're like they're i from what i know of their contracts because they're people even at this high level where it's they're kind of the only people who are making a decent living in this business they're all classified as independent contractors even though they have exclusivity clauses in them so they're independent contractors who can't work anywhere else which basically means they have all of the downsides of being an independent contractor without any of the perks um they work like 200 something days a year like I more than that like 300 days a year yeah
0: no truck no, their travel expenses aren't paid yeah they don't no health get health care yeah it's and they can get fired at any time like anytime they feel like it
1: and if anybody wants to bring them to court or anything like that they have enough money that they can just throw money at the problem and make it go away and also completely ruin you erase your legacy in wrestling uh, the stakes are so high. To challenge them that it just goes unchallenged um, but my question for you guys like knowing all of this is as Brian said like wrestling started as a, a carny con right like wrestling as we know it today wouldn't really exist without ruthless capitalism which is a system that we all oppose and yet we love wrestling so how do you what do you guys think about that and how do you kind of reconcile that
0: I don't really think it's necessarily ruthless capitalism to lie to an audience and say (laughs) this is real when a real fight when it's not. And in fact, in some ways, it's actually not. Because think about it. What's better to pretend for a worker Um, to pretend to beat someone up and get paid for it or to actually have to. Beat someone up and get beat up and get paid for like because that actually is the root of why they started making like these matches. Works is because like you want to be able like like you it's hard having real fights is dangerous for the workers for the promoters for 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 everything Uh, certainly to protect the pocketbooks too because it's better to if you can pick the winners and losers of course it's not completely altruistic but like it's I don't think wrestling uh I don't think the con aspect of wrestling is like anti-worker i think it's actually pro worker and we actually have like you know examples of this like right now when people switch from professional wrestling uh to MMA now, the way professional wrestling is now, though, it's not necessarily safer than doing mixed martial arts, unfortunately. But in certain aspects, there are benefits to um, being able to have worked matches, uh, and I don't necessarily think that that pro wrestling, in and of itself, is more exploitative than any other, like say, any other work that requires you to put your body on the line let's let's put it that way Mm -hmm. yeah and i think some of the
2: capital i think honestly capitalism has sort of like that's another way that we affect things you know because this thing happens on the fly like if you if people stop showing up the show changes you know the hot shot things and things (laughs) will change so i mean capitalism isn't the worst thing in wrestling
0: i guess but i I guess uh, maybe uh, maybe the question asked is what would wrestling look like under socialism like what would it be like Would would it still exist i mean
1: i guess like by that question i mostly meant like part of the fun of wrestling as brian said is this sort of carny culture which can be very cynical and very exploitative um even as it's sort of fun like the idea of like i I guess like i just think it's interesting like the idea of the worker in wrestling and what it means to be a worker in wrestling versus what it means to be a worker in leftist discourse is like there are a lot of similarities but there are also a lot of differences yeah, and so, I just think it's kind of interesting.
0: So work well. so to work someone in wrestling is to trick them, to con them, to lie to them. So a worker is someone who's conning the fans who are called the mark. Like you've you've heard the term mark, you've seen crime movies. That's what the fans <laughs> are called. And so I I, and and work and uh, like so. Don't think when people use workers that like there's unions or anything because they're definitely the opposite of
1: that. Basically, as far from that as you can get.
2: And you know, but a worker is also. I, I mean, just to say that, like, when I say what a worker, when it comes to a wrestler, it's usually them like doing the least amount possible. and getting the most amount of money
1: (laughs) yeah and that is very much in our ethos for sure
2: yeah the most (laughs) amount of money or attention like doing the least amount possible like that's it's an interesting (laughs) thing about wrestling is that i think all of us like uh, my favorite wrestler of all time is kevin nash oh my god (laughs)
1: hell yeah if you if you like workers kevin nash is a worker yeah. What I know about it. Yeah.
2: I mean I'm a work rate guy now, but I, I think if Kevin Nash came out now I don't think he'd be my favorite wrestler, but, (laughs) you know, at the time I saw him in my life, I thought he was a genius. And I still, when I look at that guy, man, nobody took more out of the business and gave less than Kevin (laughs) Nash.
1: And that is inspiring. And that is a lesson I think we can all take from wrestling as as leftists.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So sometimes people do get over on the boss. Um, Kevin Nash is a, a big example of that, if you're not familiar with wrestling. Kevin Nash was, you know, a giant. Oh, he's in uh, Magic Mike. He's the big guy in Magic Mike. You've seen that. John Wick, too. He plays a guard in John Wick, too. Uh, Punisher. He's the Russian guy. He's he's in all sorts of stuff. So he's a guy who, as a wrestler... Was never really talented, never tried that hard. Like, like, I don't want to diss him too much. Like, he, he knew where to be and when to be there. He had timing, he had charisma, but he wasn't the guy like killing himself to have the batch, best match uh, every it night. Reminds me,
1: he reminds me when I was younger, I played soccer and I, I was, I've always been fat and I hated running, right? So, the, the compliment I would always get would be like, you really know how to play position. <laughs> Which means, like, you're in, you find yourself in the right place at the right time, so that you don't have to run anywhere. That's I feel like that's Kevin. Nash. Yes, like he, he did exactly the minimum that he could do to be a wrestler,
0: position player. <laughs> Kevin exactly. Nash, absolutely.
2: So, but we, he also
0: he he he's
2: made he's been on he was on top for a lot of the most profitable era of pro wrestling. And and like somehow conned his way into booking himself as the guy that ended one of the longest <laughs> winning streaks in the history of the, sp- the 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 thing. It's just it's the the guy is incredible. And like, I see him as a he's a worker and he's like a guy that I look up to in wrestling. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah he got paid millions of dollars to sit at home and do nothing uh, once WCW got sold, too. So, yeah. And he's <laughs> back yeah, yeah, to that. He's actually kind of like has good politics from what I've seen too.
2: Right, and he seems like a really nice. I mean, like a. <laughs> I say he seems like a really nice guy, but he also seems like a guy that you would like ask him for a picture, and he would ask you for twenty dollars. Yes. On
0: <laughs> Never work for free. That's a uh, number one lesson in, in wrestling.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is something. I mean, it's really something that leftists can. You know, when you talk about workplace stuff, those guys don't do anything if you're not giving them money. And that is the way we should be in our workplaces, too. We should not be doing anything unless the boss is giving us money.
1: Yeah. This is an interesting uh, perspective because I am always, like, so frustrated by sort of the lack of... Uh, you know, it's it's kind of every man for himself. It's there's a not a lot of labor or organization in, in wrestling, but this is another uh, another perspective that I think is very very true that we can take from this.
0: Yeah, it, it, like everybody's so busy looking out for themselves, they don't necessarily look out for each other. But the way they look out for themselves is like good, <laughs> it, it, essentially.
1: <laughs> right. And they do. I mean, they do look out for each other in in the ring. Yeah. Stuff. like if you learn about. One of the things I think is really interesting about wrestling that a lot of people who don't watch it or who don't know a lot about it don't understand is that these matches are not, generally speaking, not like rehearsed the way that you would rehearse a play or something like that. So, I mean, obviously saying, you know, that's not real is sort of a fraught thing to say for a lot of reasons. But one that I think people don't realize is that, like, these dudes are a lot of times... There's a lot, a big element of imp- improvisation here. And in order to do that safely, you have to be very, you have to be really skilled and you have to really look out for the person you're working with.
0: Yeah. Like, and, and
2: guys that hate each other work with each other all the time yeah. too. Yeah.
0: like and,
1: and use that to do, have better matches, you know?
0: yeah so like i i I, i've i know a lot of wrestlers like some like in japan they're very big on going over everything they don't rehearse but they talk about a lot but Mm -hmm. then there's also like wrestlers if especially when they're familiar with one another they won't talk before after during the match and and can still put on an entertaining match just by reading each other feeding off the crowd etc because you see all these like you see a lot of foreigners go over to japan like they don't speak fucking japanese they don't (laughs) know what's going on but they can understand enough to you know get the basics right and then they just Mm -hmm. go from there um and have like uh and have entertaining wrestling it's actually kind of mind-blowing that things don't go wrong like all the time in wrestling matches especially with
2: guys like the young bucks who don't speak the language at all and do these ridiculously complicated things in the ring with people that you know they don't know the other language like if you think about how cool that is that they're able to figure that out it's like we always talk about how are we gonna get everybody on the same side for justice and stuff and it's like these guys somehow figure out how to do insane feats of athleticism together without speaking the same language i right. think we can convince other people that things are fucked up in the world <laughs> yeah
1: and like with with such high stakes like That they're able to do that and put their life in someone's hands and without, you know, finding some kind of, some kind of unity, even without being able to communicate verbally as effectively as you would want. You know, if I'm going to jump off of something and have someone catch me, I I would want to be 100% sure (laughs) we knew exactly what was going to happen. And uh, these dudes don't really have to do that that way. And... I think like all all of this, I think, again, speaks to why this is sort of to me the peak live entertainment experience, because it is like it's completely sort of unfolding before your eyes. And it's sort of collaborative with every person you're collaborating in it by watching it. The wrestlers are collaborating with each other. It's a really beautiful like unity in a way.
0: And one, one thing I want to mention, it was kind of brought up with Kevin Nash, but when, one aspect of wrestling that I've grown to appreciate as I've gotten older is that, like, when you look at wrestling and you see wrestlers, you see on every show, you see every single type of body you can imagine, yes. and they're all treated like athletes and, like, respect. Like, it's, like it's, people are hyper-objectified in wrestling, but still, like... It's not a, like, but not in a bad way, like in a way that appreciates all the different aspects and body types. If you're tall, they're going to talk about how tall you are. If you're big, <laughs> they're going to talk about how big you are. But it's all can be, but, since the point of the show is to get you over as a pop, at least in outside of WWE, <laughs> in, uh, in, in uh, WWE, they'll talk shit about you for some reason. I don't know why. They tell stories. Yeah, wrestling. they tell stories. Jeez. But in other promotions, like the point is to make every wrestler like seem cool. So they will talk about every, uh, every type of body in a way that makes it seem cool and functional and useful. And I kind of really love that about professional wrestling.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we talk a lot on WrestleMania about that, about how like the way that different, like all different body types are portrayed as powerful and strong, and you don't have to necessarily look like uh, a bodybuilder to be portrayed as like really really strong. And I think it's almost like the opposite of that because it's like if it's like a little guy or like a really soft person you know it's like oh wow look what that look what that body can do I would not expect that body to be able to do that it is it's very much a a physical like the the spectacle of the body is a big part of it and how people look is a big part of it but how they look is always portrayed as part of their strength and I think that is like very you know it like I, I think it can be very affirming
0: yeah, absolutely. Like when uh i look at someone like aja kong like she looks like she's someone who's shaped like like my mom at her age right now but she's always been portrayed as like one of the top athletes in the sport and yeah. because she is one of the top athletes and performers in the in the sport and that is fucking awesome i i just love that it doesn't matter what you look like in wrestling with the, assuming you get good gear right you can look <laughs> like a cool sexy badass and nobody's going to tell you different or if you don't
2: look like one i mean you know there are guys out there that like there are guys that don't have the best you know the best physiques that go out there and just say that they're handsome and they (laughs) show like they're real i'm positive you know like there's a positivity even if it's uh they're making fun of them you know like where it's like uh I don't know. I yeah. There there are, like,
0: there are there there's is a like a a stable a staple of gimmick in wrestling like a guy who's like a four will be like a ladies man and like he will just <laughs> run with it and everybody will take it seriously and like get annoyed at him for being so hyper confident. I mean Rick Rude is I, Rick Rude isn't ha- like handsome mm, or good looking.
1: I beg to differ. Okay. Okay, I will say
0: I will say Rick Rude is sexy very sexy but maybe not maybe not
1: it's a yeah it's a lot of it's the attitude yes yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) if you ran into rick rude on the street you'd be like what
1: well maybe not like not like maybe like if that guy with that exact look in 2018 like probably not but like he's all right but i i know what you're saying it's like um there's a line i you know i think it's a pretty cliche at this point to compare wrestling and drag but there's a line in the movie Paris is Burning, where, which is about like the ball culture in Harlem, like drag balls, you know. And this guy is talking about going out for a drag ball. And he just says, whatever you want to be, you be. And I feel like that's what wrestling is, too. It's a space where everybody has um, mutually agreed to suspend their disbelief. And if you are selling it enough, you can be whatever you want. And I think that is extremely cool. And I can't think of a lot of other art forms that have that much sort of openness about them.
2: It is, it is, there is a thing, I will say this. And, and like, if you go to a lot of really local indies, like Kath is lucky. She has like this embarrassment of riches where she (laughs) is, where she can just go see like great indie workers all the time. But if you go to like a more grimy indie indie, I mean you'll just see dudes that look like like tough dads that <laughs> yeah. you grew up with. And like I really miss that on TV. That is one yeah. of the things that WWE taking over. It's really lately cuz I've watched some older stuff and it's just like I really I would love like some old tough horseshoe bald dads on TV <laughs> but Vince McMahon the one guy that makes all the decisions doesn't like bald guys so you just never get to see them on TV and there used to be a time I mean uh, my partner that does Street Fight with me, Brett, his dad's always been a f- big fan. And, and like he said, he's had trouble getting into it. He's wanted to get back into it. But the guys, all they do, a lot of them look sort of like fitness models now.
1: Right. He likes a very specific kind of bodybuilder look. And it's it's so weird because when you think back about who are the wrestlers, if you if you don't watch wrestling, the wrestlers that have sort of penetrated pop culture... Are not necessarily the ones that look like that, you know. Dude,
2: Hulk Hogan is a <laughs> the worst looking dude in the whole he, world. He
1: like hurts to look at. Like, he does. He's, he's aggressively <laughs> unesthetic, and yet, you know, people love him. People love him. Stone Cold is bald. Everybody loves Stone Cold. Like, why is this not allowed? Or even The
0: Rock's bald now.
1: The Rock's bald. The Rock is like. I feel like the Rock is like. Uh, Bald as a choice. I don't think he actually is bald as a choice, but I feel like he looks enough like a muscle guy that he's allowed to like he's like Bruce Willis bald. Bruce
3: Willis
2: bald, yeah. I have a I have a WCW trading card on my refrigerator that I've had on it since I got it, and it's Arn Anderson. Oh yeah. (laughs) And like I just look at that guy and I'm like, that's the kind of dad I want to (laughs) be. I want to be like Arn Anderson. Well, Like that's what I wanted my dad to be Arn Anderson. Like I wanted, my dad was like kind of a, Brett calls my dad a wiener. My dad was like a wiener. <laughs> He's a computer programmer and stuff. And I, just, I see a guy like Arn Anderson and I'm like, that's who I'm scared of. He would whoop my ass if I got into some
0: kind of trouble. <laughs> well, speaking of maybe one of the angriest, badass dad wrestlers of all time. Uh, big van Bader he passed away um yeah, last RIP. week really really sad because he was w- legit one of the best wrestlers of all time um had a great run in wCw great run in Japan and of course Wwe had no idea what to do with him and just treat him like garbage um so that that is kind of like the uh, dark aspect of wrestling like there's so many. Wrestlers who die young, either because of drug use, drug abu- uh, drug abuse, steroid use, steroid abuse. Uh, the toll it takes. Wrestling takes a huge toll on your uh, on your body. Um, yeah. it's uh, every wrestler is injured. Like. All the time, all the time. Like no, there's no, almost no exception to it. Um, everybody has something, uh, some nagging injury. Invader ha- had a lot of injuries and had a lot of health issues later in his life. But like as a leftist wrestling fan, like how you how you deal with you know knowing that like all these people you enjoy and that you love and are doing something you love are it's slow are oftentimes you know. Slowly, like killing themselves while they do it. I mean, I, I, for me,
2: uh, they're guys that are a lot of uh, guys and women who are making decisions with their body and how they want to live on this planet. I mean, I'm an anarchist too. Like yeah. I, I'm like the ultimate like freedom guy. You know, some people choose to smoke, some people choose to do drugs, some people choose to wrestle. Like, and you only get one shot here and if if you go into this thing knowing what the consequences are and you're doing it then I want you to be able to do it like I would never take this away from people I want them to get health care yeah you know and, and and I want i i wouldn't it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world i think uh, actually it would be I, like the athletic commission thing is a really weird thing to me. Cause I think the mm-hmm. athletic commissions are crooks too.
0: You know, wow. absolutely. Like literally also <laughs> in Louisiana, they left, they literally are like I, I, in Philadelphia too. The guy's like a character. He's like a, like, like they made, he like, he basically has a gimmick in uh, Philadelphia. So <laughs> yeah. So, so for it, people
1: listening who don't know the the athletic commissions in various cities will sometimes make rules about what wrestlers, what moves wrestlers are allowed to do and not allowed to do so we just about feds, which
2: feds are allowed to operate well, yeah, which companies too, yeah. are allowed to
1: operate it professional
0: yeah and it's a complete a racket and it's a complete racket because you know wwe of course can do anything they want like they there was an announcement a couple of wrestlemanias ago that uh before a wrestlemania ago that you know mma fighters and wrestlers who are women um can't have implants and uh, uh, but because there was an incident at local MMA show wow. that where somebody's implant exploded, and and. Like within the hour of this like hitting like the wrestling dirt sheets, there was a clarification um, from the Louisiana Athletic Commission that this would not apply to uh, wrestling because WWE's lawyers like saw this on the dirt sheet and called them and told them like this is not going to be acceptable for us because a lot of the wrestlers had implants. Like so WWE has the power to overdo uh, to Get through all of these regulations that are ostensibly about protecting wrestlers, but WWE has like the worst track record of taking care of wrestlers and protecting them and their health. Like as far as blood testing goes, they allowed the a wrestler with hepatitis B to bleed all over another wrestler and his own son uh, in a match for no particular reason. A, a, a retired wrestler at that, like a guy who had no business really being in the ring um named bob Orton, like he yeah, had hepatitis b and WWE led the bleed everywhere and so now all the other companies have to do uh, all this right. testing and stuff when they were the ones who when wwe was the one who was irresponsible when uh they banned moves like a power pile drivers when like some of the most famous inter- incidents of like pile drivers going wrong happened in wwe ring uh stone cold got his neck broken um the undertaker hurt triple h at of wrestlemania like they're like wwe is no better in this but because they have all the money and the power none of these regulations that were put on smaller companies were applied to wwe well they they i mean
2: you know even when you think about the like how they They also like basically own all the venues in the country. Yeah. Not in that they own it, but Ring of Honor, a company that is also funded by an evil company, Sinclair (laughs) Broadcast. It's
0: so sad. It's so sad. It's the saddest thing in the world. But it's the
1: second most, they're sort of the second biggest one, but it is a far, far smaller reach than WWE. Yeah.
2: But But they they see them as
1: their biggest competition.
2: Yeah, and they wanted to do Madison Square Garden, and WWE was like, "You ain't doing Madison Square
1: Garden, right?" Just
3: shut it <laughs> Or down. there's there's
2: all in this big indie show, which is, I mean, I think if anything threatens WWE, it's this. Yeah, and, and like uh they couldn't get a venue inside of Chicago. They have to be like outside of Chicago because WWE basically tells the venues, "Oh, if you do that, then." you know, we're not going to come back here. And obviously you want WWE to come through your venue three times a year, you know?
1: Right. I do want to go back to talking about wrestlers hurting themselves though. And and this sort of how, how dangerous this is and how as a fan I like reconcile that. I definitely do think part of it is like, you know what you're signing up for, but I do feel a little bit weird about the fact that like, I want these people to be safe but generally speaking, the less safe you are, the more I like you. <laughs> <And> so <Yes. laughs> That's kind of a problem. And that's where I think somebody like Jim Cornette is correct. And so if people listening, Jim Cornette is sort of like a he ran with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Right? Smoky Mountain he's like, Wrestling. He's done a bunch of stuff. Yeah,
0: he's uh, most famous for being a wrestler with a, uh, a manager with a tennis racket. Like if you've watched wrestling in the <laughs> 80s, you probably saw Jim Cornette. He was the guy with the tennis racket.
1: And he now is sort of like a, he's like the resident sort of grumpy curmudgeon of wrestling. He's like a wrestling pundit. Almost. He's like a pundit plus like a roast master. Like he likes to, my favorite thing he said, uh, I don't agree with a lot of his opinions, but he always is entertaining when he delivers them. And he said, um, uh, I couldn't warm up to the young bucks if we were cremated together. (laughs) And I think about that all the time. I think that is such a good burn. Uh, but he's always talking about how like there's this escalation of dangerous moves and it's hurting everybody, that everybody needs to be more and more athletic, more and more, take more and more risks. And the more you do that, the more the audience gets desensitized to it, thus the crazier you have to go, thus the more likely someone's going to break their neck. And I, I kind of agree with that, like at least to some extent.
0: Yeah, like, a lot of people, like, push, because he'll, he, he, what, he won't what make general comments, like, he'll actually go after individual wrestlers. Right. And, like, completely shit <laughs> on, and that's what kind of turns people off on him, because he'll see, like, one clip and, like, just completely crap on this wrestler who might be a really great wrestler and great person who everybody loves. Jim Cornette doesn't give a fuck. He'll just tell them that they should fucking retire and die and go off of... <laughs> <laughs> and jump off a fucking bridge and all this other shit. Like uh, he has, no, he has no chill. But I do like generally agree with his point that like, like, and this is how I reconcile it too. Like, I like, I, like Brian said, I want wrestlers to get health care, but I want them to take care of themselves. I want them to look after each other. I don't want them to do a bunch of you know crazy stuff for my benefit. My favorite wrestling style is actually what's called shoot style, which is basically like this kind of fake. Well, simulated MMA style, which which isn't a which isn't a bunch of dives, which are no dives, not a lot of running moves. You kind of just like aren't Matt Russell, and uh, strike and kick each other and suplex each other, and that's what what I really like. And if I you know one day start a wrestling promotion, that's what I would do because I. because besides liking it that's like one of the safer styles to do there's no style of wrestling that's really safe but it's one of the safer styles to do and that's what i would be comfortable asking people to do if they were working for me but i but i've I've talked to so many wrestlers i've been friends with wrestlers i've been friends with wrestlers and seeing them in the ring hurt themselves and been and freak out like it's it's been personal for me uh to go through this but like every wrestler you know knows what they're getting into knows what they're doing and they just but they just love it so much that like the risk is worth it for them like they what they get from wrestling they don't get from anything else usually like it's just something that's so fulfilling for them and so important to them um i do wish like as jim cornette says they would like slow down do less but in but even if they do like people still going to get hurt people still going to get injured like all those guys all those old wrestlers who you know passing away or dying they that isn't because they were doing you know Uh, 450 splashes off the top rope to the outside they were doing like more of the basic stuff they were just doing too much of it too long too often not taking time off to heal so that's another part of it where you know when you have when you have hyper capitalistic system on top of it. Like if a guy is a wrestler who's popular at the time and he gets hurt instead, uh, let's say he gets a arm injury, right. And he has to worry about that. And, and, but he can work through it. He'll work through it instead of taking the time off the heel. And all that means is that he's going to hurt something else uh, while he's trying to, uh, protect his arm. And that's how these lingering injuries happen, how these, uh, Injuries don't get taken care of when they should because of this element where nobody can, you know, take any time off because if they do, like, they can't pay their mortgage, you know, right. like, and that's part of the capitalistic aspect uh, of Cap- capitalism making wrestling worse, uh, which is something I want to, you know, evangelize, you know, wrestling fans who aren't leftists to. I want to get them hip to the idea that capitalism, all it's doing is killing your wrestling. So you should be leftist like us.
1: It's killing your wrestling and your wrestling. Yes. So, you know,
0: get on board. Yeah.
2: I- i mean i i would would say that i like the i like the dangerous shit <laughs>
0: yeah so well let's get yeah we should talk about me, the matches
2: yes yeah if we talk about the, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i noticed which two matches i put in there and i was like oh great like now <laughs> yeah. fucking psycho yes all right so let's let's start it off so we actually uh if you look look at the show notes and we have a bunch of matches so what you want to do right now Pause the pause the podcast you know sit in front of your biggest TV, get your Chromecast set up, because uh, these are all from, like, illegal streaming sites, so you might need to <laughs> do some hacking. One's actually Russian, but, you know, but wrestling <laughs> is better when you watch it bootlegged, I, I have to say. Like, it, there's something about, like, tape trading and DVD trading. It, it, it feels better when it's illegal, but you should pay uh, companies that are good. Not WWE, but New Japan, DDT, all that, that good stuff. And so we have a list of wrestling selections for, you know, neophyte newbie wrestling fans that uh we the wrestling experts have picked for you so please stop the podcast right now and watch all of them
1: (laughs) yes please do
0: okay we're back brian what were the matches
2: you picked uh i picked samoa joe versus necro butcher from iwa mid-south it's a insane match yes. that, it, it, I mean, it's everything. It's one of the things I love about wrestling. And uh, Okada versus Shibata from last year's Wrestling Dantaku show, which is actually my favorite match I've ever seen in my life.
0: Two extremely infamous matches, actually, <laughs> yeah. for how violent they are. And Brian, <laughs> I have to say, I actually... The, I actually, the first time I watched Necro Butcher vs. Samojo in 2005, 13 years ago, like I cut it off because I got mad. <laughs> I got mad at the spot <laughs> where he takes a suplex off the ring apron and lands on his forehead. Like that, that was too much for me. It's a lot. Uh, <laughs> I think the reason I love it. Uh, So I
2: recently went to an AIW show where Nick Gage wrestled Tim Donst and uh, I took my wife and daughter there, which was. Not probably the best decision I ever made in my entire <laughs> life. Most of the matches well, were fine, but Nick Gage was there. Yeah, Nick
1: <laughs> I'm seeing him this weekend. I'm so. Oh, sure. you're
2: gonna love I've,
1: it. I've seen him before. This is this will be like my third time. Okay. Uh, he's wrestling Air Fox. I'm pretty pumped. So
0: who that's really cool. So new, Nick Gage is a convicted bank robber. And deathmatch wrestler. um He's that means he's extremely cool, uh, but <laughs> extremely violent and bloody uh, as a wrestler. Not so much as a bank robber. I, guess. I think I don't think anybody got hurt during the robbery. He didn't have a gun. No, they he never just passed, even passed had him
1: a gun. note. He's a good. He's a good bank robber. Yeah. I mean, he's not a good bank robber because he got caught. But he was much nicer to the people he was robbing than he is to his opponents. I think.
2: <laughs> but like we talked about the crowd. Uh, we, we talked about the audience Being a part of the show When it comes to wrestling And 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 all of these things And these guys tossed each other All over that room Through the chairs Threw each other around And the crowd had to get up And run away Or get their beer spilled on them Because this thing That seemed so out of control It was off the rails yeah. and, and it just seemed like Two men rampaging through a It was like, kind of like a Godzilla movie Yeah, it, it, like,
0: exactly Exactly that because so to explain kind of the context of who necro butcher and samoa joe are um samoa joe was like a the ring of honor champion ring of honor was like the classy indie the one that was really about the wrestling they didn't do a lot of deathmatch stuff and samoa joe was their champion for like years like he was like their muhammad ali type figure but necro butcher is just this big Crusty, badass-looking guy. It's like
1: he's—he's exactly like what his name would have you believe he
0: is. (laughs) Yeah, just this crazy guy who looks like he just off the street, like he's just gotten out, like he just got—he's out on bail right now, and he's trying to make (laughs) a bit of money to come into the wrestling ring. And so there's this big contrast right when you get there because you have like this elite, you know, badass athlete. Versus this just raw boned badass, and you have this, and every all the fans know this. All the fans know that like these people should never be in the ring with each other. And what <laughs> happens is, uh, shows they should never be in the ring with each other because it's so fucked up. <laughs> well, and and here's the thing about wrestling
2: too it is supposed to be about worlds colliding, yes, and yeah. and it, it that's one of the prob That's one of the things I hate about there being a monopoly, sort of, is that like worlds don't collide the way that they're supposed to anymore you don't really see a lot of stuff that it doesn't feel like it's going like it's going to happen or like you know we're just going to watch these two guys fight one of them can wrap himself around you and put you in a submission in like a really scientific way and the other one could just bash your head in until you can't wrestle anymore
1: yeah yeah, i think one of the coolest things about wrestling to me is that it's a a shared universe and so people will like you'll see a guy who's like a famous luchador in Mexico and all of a sudden he'll be wrestling in like a death match or like in Japan or something like that. And I think that's something that like WWE really suffers creatively for that they don't engage in that shared yes. universe because they only use, they're so uh, they keep their talent kind of under lock and key and uh, they don't use anybody else usually. So that like, I, I think this match is really cool. I really like this match too, Brian. I, uh, it's one of those things where like, I really like it, but, uh, I watched it the once and I like, don't really want to watch it yeah. again. Cause it's so intense.
0: I've but watched it, is... it like 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> it's so intense. And so I really like the blood. It's awesome. Though. I love the blood. Yeah. Though. It's one of the best uh, bleeding jobs ever. Uh, uh, But yeah, maybe if you're a little bit squeamish, this is not the match to start with. (laughs) If you've never watched a professional wrestling match before, maybe save this one for later. But it's a good one and worth watching. Uh, And your next match, uh, one of the best matches possibly of all time.
1: Yeah, this is a critical darling right?
0: Yes.
2: It's one of the great, it's great. It's the, one of the greatest pieces of entertainment I've ever seen in my life. It's better than movies. Like it just nothing. I don't know how many times I've seen things in my bed. Like, so I watch, (laughs) this is going to sound depressing, but it's not. (laughs) Okay. I watch wrestling laying in bed next to my wife while she sleeps. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I'm watching this match and, um, you know you would it, there was a journey leading up to this match for Shibata who is who is uh the challenger for the championship against Kazuchika Okada who is like just a superman he he doesn't lose and uh Shibata had to run through like all of the a group called the New Japan dads that were all of the <laughs> old aces of this company and he had to beat each one of those and he had to you know, he had to beat like increasingly hard opponents to get this title shot. And he gets there and they go, I mean, this whole match, like they're together. They're, they're they're, like perfectly evenly matched through this whole match. And then you get to the end and there's these sequences where it looks like anybody could win. And there's just this like, you're watching you're watching this match and there's this perfectly placed headbutt where you're like oh my god this is it it's going to happen and you know um that headbutt was re- ended up you know ending his career but it was perfectly placed, and it was just this beautiful masterpiece of a wrestling match, and it made me—I mean, this thing made me jump out of bed. It made me jump up. I was standing up by the time it was over, <laughs> watching it. I—I was just, just like, with you know that, like, because my wife's asleep. I have like my finger in my mouth, and I'm just going, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" <laughs> like I just—I—I—I I, I, I felt like I was watching a real competition, and it's just—it's like people will sometimes say that wrestling looks like ballet and this this looked like ballet mixed with a actual real fight and it was yeah. incredible yeah.
3: yeah
0: like Shabazz was always one of my favorites from new japan because he's a he's a shoot style fighter he's all about the strike submission suplex mm. i've never i still i still don't buy okada I, to be honest people think he's like the greatest of all time he's like man for me but this match is fucking beautiful it's amazing this is like prime modern um japanese professional wrestling pro res um so if you, you it does take a little bit of time it is a lo- longer um match but it's definitely definitely um work for watch very very well, good
2: and I want to say this about Okada because people like I, you're not the only person that says this. The thing is though, like he has been in the past two years in some of the some of the greatest things I've seen, and and like that's something that like I always consider when I watch pro wrestling is both guys are doing this, you know? Yeah,
1: I I think like Okada, he he's kind of like the platonic ideal of a champion because he. Like, I don't find him super, super compelling. I have, like, friends that are way more into him than me. I, he, I don't find him super compelling. But every single time he defended his title, he would have an amazing match. And he would elevate whoever he was fighting, even when, even though they lost. Like, they would come out looking stronger and people would respect them. There's a few exceptions to that. But for the most part, he, like, those matches made the other guy look good and made him look good because he won so it's like while i i feel like i am not super drawn to him he clearly has something because that's really really impressive to be able to do that
0: oh he definitely has something but Shibata should have won <laughs>
2: <laughs> no then we wouldn't have got this long the longest record breaking title reign ever <laughs> oh.
1: i'm going to have to go back and watch more shibata though cuz i i love this and i wasn't really watching j- japanese wrestling before he unfortunately had to retire so I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to ask you guys for match records. Yeah,
0: he's the hunkiest. Hunk. Too, hunk. it, it, he's the hunkiest
1: too. He's such a He's great merch too. Yeah. I like Maybe, his the wrestler But he's merch.
0: really stupid. That's the problem with him. He's not <laughs> a smart Oh, well,
1: <laughs> I mean, Kota Ibushi's stupid and he's a hunk too. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you can be stupid and a hunk. That's like he, part of it.
2: He's a different kind of stupid, Kath. He's dangerous <laughs> stupid. When yeah. you start watching his old matches, you're going to be like, why did you do that? <laughs> why are you doing this? You don't have to do this i mean the first time you watch a headbutt exchange with him you're like why is he doing this is supposed to be
1: fake the (laughs) sound that that headbutt made so in the okada match hopefully you've already watched it he he gives him this big headbutt and his head splits open and like a rivulet of blood runs down the center of his face and it is a absolutely beautiful wrestling image but you can hear the headbutt (laughs) And it is sickening. <laughs> it's like, I felt like weak watching it. Cause it's just the sad, the sound, like it has like, it has like bass to it. Like it's too, it's so bad. <laughs> too much,
0: too much. So Kath, yeah. let's talk about uh, your picks.
1: Yeah. I feel like I picked, um, I feel like my picks I picked in tandem to show two sort of extremes of the type of wrestling I like and what I like in wrestling. So, Um, And I feel like almost sort of like Brian, I picked one that I think is like very brutal and sort of has this chaotic feeling to it. And then one that I think is like really technically amazing and impressive. So the first one I picked, which I knew right away was um, Chigusa Nagayo versus uh, Dump Matsumoto. It was a hair versus hair match, which happens sometimes in wrestling. Somebody will say, uh, if you beat me, you get to shave my head after the match. Um
2: because the worst thing you can be is bald. <laughs> Absolutely clearly,
1: clearly. <laughs> the worst thing ever. Um and it's cool because this is these are two women, which I think is like sweet, like hair versus hair match ladies rad. Yes. Um so yeah, this is an old, um I think it's I, I don't even remember the company. It's AJW A- it's
0: AJW. Like, yeah. Uh, or Zinjo. And so this was during their era, their, I would call their pop phase. This is where they actually crossed over and became like the thing teenage girls were into. Like the entire audience is like teen girls. It it started with um, the beauty pair. And then the crush girls, which is Chigusa Nagayo is one of
1: her tag team.
0: Yeah. And they would sing pop songs. They were big, big celebrities, like, like just celebrities, period. And people would come to watch them wrestle too. Like it was like, yeah. If Beyonce and Lady, Lady Gaga started wrestling, that's how big they were.
1: Yeah, I have and like
0: that- a I have like a ton of questions
2: about these because I don't have these were the first four Josie first Josie match Joshi matches I've ever seen. Oh wow!
1: Well, might I recommend the two WrestleSplania episodes with uh, our co producer at Hunk Tears? Uh, they are a big Joshi fan and they. They actually recommended this match to me for that, for an episode we did. Um, I didn't know anything about it either. Uh, but yeah, like that's what's so interesting about this match, to me. It's a crazy match. So, it's incredibly brutal, it's incredibly bloody. There's kind of like no moves in it. It's just Don Matsumoto who is a perfect like big bruiser heel versus Chigusa Nagayo who is a perfect sporty babyface. Yes. And Don Matsumoto just beats the shit out of her and starts stabbing her in the head with scissors for an audience of thousands of crying teenage girls. <laughs> and it almost like it, it's certainly not the same, but it has like to me the feel that Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher has or the feeling I have when I'm at a Nick Gage show watching a Nick Gage match where it just feels like the entire world is like coming unglued yeah. because of what's going yeah, on. There's this
0: weird tension. So, and, and, and it's helped because like, in Joshi, like a lot of the times all, all the, all the wrestlers will be out around the ring and like yeah. all the good guys were there and all the, for, with Tagusa uh, and all the bad guys were there with dump. And it's just like, and they would get involved and it's just fucking chaos.
1: It's chaos. People are just running around the ring. Everyone is screaming. It's, And then, so Chigusa Nagayo, the baby face, loses, and they, her, like, team comes over, and they're all crying and, like, holding her down while her head is being shaved. And the first time I saw this, the word that came to mind was, like, this is graphic. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, how or why, but I feel like (laughs) I'm watching something, like, I feel like I'm watching, like, a snuff film or something. Like, this is so emotionally intense. And... Again, this is something that like it it it's not like it's like super pleasurable for me to watch, but I am it's so intense and yeah. I'm so invested in it. And I just feel like this is sort of the emotional side of wrestling that I really respond yeah. to. This I I feel like you see everybody kind of going through that ego death that I was talking about.
0: Yeah, it's so good. I really I really love the hair versus hair match, especially with the women in Japan, because uh this this is kind of behind the scenes thing. In in WBE for some they always make the bad guy lose the hair versus hair match to like embarrass him so that people can laugh at him in japan they go for the gut the good guy always almost always loses the match just so so you can have your heart ripped out as they're completely they lose the match first of all and then they're embarrassed further like you never like people don't want people have a hard time dealing with that it's really upsetting i've seen uh one or two hair versus hair matches in person and it's just weird because because like it's just hair right but it is a part of you and it's like it's being shaved off and removed from you against your will and it just does something
1: yeah i think that's what it is is it's it's not so much that you are losing your hair that's part of it but being shaved in public is like it just it's so like weirdly it's such a like intimate thing to do and to have it be done to you kind of against your will and array it's just like it's a really striking image um but i'm curious to what brian's questions are because like you if you haven't watched any joshi this was like the first joshi thing i saw and i was like what the fuck (laughs) is happening this is oh i just
2: i mean i i really am one thing i was really curious about is this is a thing that happens a lot in wrestling so there this is not i'm I am not being negative for the people <laughs> that are listening. How was that? I mean, Leslie, this. I think it's important for me to ask this. Was was that uh, doctored? Like the noise, the crowd noise, somewhat doctored. Oh no,
0: no, no, because, no, no! They don't, holy shit! No, they don't
2: have yeah, to People are more.
1: screaming the entire time. It is. It's so funny because right before I watched this, someone was giving me this very. There's a stereotypical kind of spiel uh, that Western wrestling fans will give about, well, in Japan, they respect the sport so much. So they don't, they're very quiet and respectful. And then I turned this on and it is full on screaming for like half an hour.
2: Let me, you know what the other thing people do in the United States that don't watch Japanese wrestling, but want to talk about it to you is oftentimes they'll say Japanese wrestling is a lot more honorable and you're like, Have you ever watched Taguchi fucking one? <laughs> have you ever seen Taguchi? Like, have you ever heard Tai Chi or any of the, Like, this stuff is crazy over there. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, honorable. It's just weird Orientalism. Yeah. Like, it really is, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was curious about that crowd noise in, in that match. I I don't... Uh, that was It was so damn loud, and it seemed like people were really freaking out. Those... Those matches are brutal. And and again, I don't think I don't think that it's wrong for wrestling companies to pipe in crowd noise. This isn't like me saying like that match wasn't as good. Because sure. a lot of times matches where people freak out, they still pipe in crowd noise yeah, because yeah. wrestling is a cheap con. Well, a lot. Of well, times. the thing
0: is, they wouldn't bother piping in because video is not important in, uh, in Japan generally. Speaking, okay. Yeah. Japanese wrestling, is not really like t- uh, like TV. It was important at certain times, but like you know editing after to preserve it because actually if you buy like a lot of japanese wrestling dvs they like cut the matches like cause to say and i asked somebody why do why would you cut parts of the match out and it's like oh it's a save time most japanese answer you'll ever get like
2: hey, why would you to save time <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> The next question I have is, who is the woman that comes out with Dump that has the stick? Because she's the greatest thing I've ever seen.
0: Isn't that Bull Nakano, right? Uh, Is it Bull Nakano? She's wearing a police hat.
2: And she has like a mop stick, and she just starts slapping the people at tables around
3: the <laughs> ring. I, I'm not.
0: Su- I'm not sure. I don't think. I don't think Bull was out there. I think that was who else? Who was her tag team partner? I always forget name. I the meanest woman. She ruled.
2: Yeah, <laughs> she is the meanest woman I've ever seen, and that is the hugest compliment because my favorite wrestlers are m- the mean ones. Like that, you're just like, what well, <laughs> yeah. that person's mean. Oh yeah,
3: shit.
0: You know, yeah. Her, sta- her stable was a crane. You condor. Saito, Bull Nakano, they were all just like these mean, like (laughs) savage, like big
1: bruiser ass, like metal
0: (laughs) Nazi punks. Like, basically, (laughs) the biggest
2: wrestler, the biggest wrestler of all time, arguably, but probably the most money is Stone Cold Steve Austin, whose gimmick was he's just a really mean guy, (laughs) and everybody liked him.
1: Yeah, being mean is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. If you can't think of like a good wrestling gimmick, just like be really
2: mean. Well, it's, it's, that's my dream. I'm like, fuck, I wish I was mean. I can't be mean to people. It (laughs) makes me feel bad. (laughs) And I'm like, I see these people that come in there and they're just mean and I'll shave her head. I don't give a shit. You know, (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, come on. And I'm like, I
0: want to be that. I'd like want to be mean, you know? Right. And so, Kath, your next match.
1: Yeah. The other one I picked was um, uh, Hiromu Takahashi versus Dragon Lee from uh, February, New Beginning of Osaka 2017. So, like a year, a little over a year ago, year and a half ago. And I picked this one just sort of because I feel like it's the other end of an extreme from the Joshi match that I picked. Um, I just really, really like these two wrestlers. And I. This is, like, a very flippy, dangerous uh,
0: type yes. of match. It's
1: it's super, like, um, it, it, yeah, it's very, like, lucha, but, like, a super stylized, quote-unquote, work-rate heavy lucha where there's a lot of moves. There's, like, a million rana's and snap suplexes and people falling on their heads, and it's crazy. Um, but th- I think the reason I like this is because these two guys have, like, a feud uh, that's been going on for like a couple years kind of throughout they're both very young they're both um Dragon Lee is like 24 and Hiromu is like 28 and the Hiromu Takahashi works in Japan now but he used to work in Mexico and he had this feud with Dragon Lee who mostly works in Mexico and I think this is sort of what I was talking about with the shared universe thing these two guys are two guys from across the world from thousands of miles away from one another and their feud it's a feud but it seems to be based on this like mutual respect for what the other one does and like i've seen promos which is what it's called when a wrestler is talking in character about their matches it's called a promo promo just saying i'm so glad i'm alive at the same time as dragon league like i'm so (laughs) glad that i'm like get to wrestle this person and i feel like that's like the relationship between two wrestlers is something I really respond to, and I just remember seeing this match for the first time and being like, if these were the only two wrestlers in the world, I would still watch this. Like, I would <laughs> yeah. still think this was cool. Um, they just seem to be so in sync and have so much chemistry and yet come from, you know, such completely different contexts, and I just think that's so cool. Um and uh and yeah also dragon lee falls on his head like nine oh, times, and it's insane yeah. that he's even alive
0: yeah I, <laughs>
1: so that's fun too i thought
0: i thought i mean it's really a great match but that did kind of turn me off like just how much they did but that was partly because i didn't really have the context i didn't know if that was the first match they had or the 10th match yeah. they had so it, it was if it's the 10th match it, it makes more sense you know
1: yeah so they like this is this is sort of the middle of their of their feud. They've fought in singles matches. This is, I think, their third or fourth singles match. But they worked tag matches together all the time in uh, a promotion called CMLL in Mexico. So they're like very familiar with each other. Um, yeah, and I just like I it's there's just a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. So I picked it because if you're new to wrestling, I feel like I wanted to cover the sort of emotional highs of it, and then also just the incredible athleticism of it. And so this was the athleticism match that I picked. And
0: uh, I think Ghetto, who's the promoter of uh, New Japan, who booked this match, uh, exclaiming shit, shit (laughs) multiple times (laughs) during the the match, says a lot about um, how exciting this was.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I like, I feel like both of these guys are people that really test that sort of tension I feel where it's like, I want you to protect yourself. And yet the more you hurt yourself or potentially hurt yourself, the more I love you. (laughs) And I wish that wasn't true, but I kind of feel that way.
2: Hiromu is also, like, a really electric human being. Absolutely.
1: He's so charismatic.
2: Yeah. I just... I can't... I don't know. He doesn't speak the same language that I do, but, like, I listen to everything he says and watch him. (laughs) Me too.
1: (laughs) I watch his promos untranslated if they don't have subtitles just because he's so fun to watch.
2: Yeah. He's just a really interesting dude that also... uh, I mean, having no regard for your safety is very cool to me. And, like, I... (laughs) I, I just—it's just like a, a way. Good, it's in the same way that being mean is something that I admire. I admire the—I <laughs> admire like a lot. A lot of wrestlers I just admire because they will do things. Like I admire the 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 guts it takes to take a, even a flat, just a flat back bump or or like for a guy like like Mick Foley is a guy that a lot of us admire, you know, we're seeing the, the results of what he did now. But at the time it was like, oh, I wish I had the guts to do something like that, <laughs> like to jump off of a cage or, or any of that stuff. And I, I just, Hiromu another one of those guys. That's like, I don't know how long he's going to be around, but <laughs> yeah. I want him to be allowed to do what he wants to do for as long as he can.
1: Yeah. Well, he's like someone too that, uh, I, I like I said I chose this for the athleticism but I love him for the character just as much as I love him for how he wrestles like he and he's cuz he plays this sort of like happy go lucky manic crazy guy and so when he's doing like when he's doing this stuff it's so like gleeful like it it's even more than a lot of people who take risks it seems like that is like part of the joy in it for him like he is so joyful when he is uh falling on his head (laughs) and so it makes me feel like a little better about it i guess
0: all right so moving on to my picks Uh, yeah so first uh my first match i pick uh another ajw uh, slash Zinjo uh match this is from the uh, Meant mid- their 90s era, which was their work rate era. So, this is when, you know, all the te- they stopped being as popular in the pop culture, but became more mm-hmm. popular within wrestling circles. And um, f- infamously, um, uh, Dave Meltzer got in trouble for saying that the matches. And uh, uh, AJW Zinjo Women's wrestling Were better than the uh, New Japan and All Japan The famous men's promotions And this got him a lot of heat in Japan Because you're never supposed to compare the two Even though what he was saying was true Because the women were wrestling As as great as New Japan and All Japan Were at the time like The women were as good if not better And this is like the height of it This is um, Aja Kong Versus Manami Toyo that in the tokyo dome the preeminent you know um venue in of professional wrestling in japan if not the world even though it's probably one of the worst places to watch wrestling because it's just so big and you're just watching like ants on a a, on a napkin but
1: (laughs) but it's very prestigious so it's the fact that this is there is important yeah
0: it's huge wrestling show unfortunately in america women's promotions never took off and got this kind of you know, size, but to see it in, and and women's promotion in Japan don't have it now, but this moment to see, you know, uh, all women's show with this in the Tokyo Dome, Thousands and thousands of tens of thousands of fans, like it's just a beautiful thing, and I just love this match and this era. This is my favorite era of wrestling um, by far, and these are two of my favorite wrestlers Khan, the big ass kicking, shoot fighting bruiser, versus Manami Toyota, the flying angel, uh, who I will argue, argue is the greatest professional wrestler of all time. Um, she's just you know, this high, uh, beautiful, high flying daredevil who is just you know never gives up never quits she's a baby face but she doesn't she doesn't do like she doesn't have that you know kind of fragility that a lot of similar baby style baby faces has she's has a fight in her and an anger in her that always like you know breaks through all the beauty and the glamour and I just love that about her she's like a purebred ass kicker almost as much as Aja Kong is and this is one of their um, best matches they've had a lot of classic ma- matches this is one of my favorites because the Joshi style is very different than the other styles like it's just more it's looser it you could say maybe sloppier but it's more of a fight like it feels less choreographed it's more just people throwing their bodies at each other and throwing other people's bodies around in whichever way works that looks at the most painful and i just love this match and i think it's fantastic and everyone should watch it
2: the the suplexes and joshi are nasty looking like i I just look at those germans that they do and i I mean toyota's
1: in particular yeah i mean it doesn't and crazy
2: (laughs) it doesn't look unsafe at all, like they do, land on their back still, less on their neck, but they somehow. Why I don't know why they do it, but they bend their legs all the way till they hit the floor over their head, and it makes it look like their body was just broken in half. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to talk about, like, I, I think, my, and manami Toyota in this match is the one that brings the table out. Yes, I mean she's the ba- and I the, I kind of fell in love with her at that point where it's like because you can watch it and you can look at these two wrestlers and you know who the baby face is she's dressed like a baby face the crowd's freaking out for her because she's they want to see her win and every time it looks like she's gonna do something but she also she's like it's gonna take extra to beat this woman i'm gonna bring out a table and smash her (laughs) on top of the table from the top rope by the way doing a move that like back then didn't really happen they still treat a, an elbow f- off the top rope onto the table through the floor as a big deal in 2018. You know that that I mean this match, this match looked like this match to me looked like a more
0: modern thing than it yes. actually was. Yeah. Because jo-
1: that's like we just did an episode for wrestlesplania about this era of Joshi, and we focused on Manami. Wait, Jiro
0: wait, wait, wait what? 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 Kath, sorry, you did an episode. <laughs>
1: I know Russell Splayinga. I know <laughs> about
0: my favorite professional.
1: LB, oh. LB did it, and she immediately. Oh, sorry, we have. I feel bad. I just misjudged them. LB did it, and then immediately was like, "You should have gotten Leslie." I feel really bad that I did this. <laughs> I know, I know, but I know. I'm sure you're you gonna do a part do, two
0: because not, You can come on three. and do the
1: part two specifically about Monami okay. Toyota because we did we did Monami Toyota and Akira Hokate. Okay, so you can come on and just do Monami because. Okay. Okay. LB said, like, they were very adamant that, you know, they were like, I picked a few matches, there are 50 more that could easily be covered here because Monami Toyota is one of the best, if not the best wrestler of all time. But the thing that I loved about watching these matches, because they're from, the ones we watched were from, like, 1995, I think, and they feel so much more modern than anything um, that I... Have watched from 1995 in like WWF or WCW or anything like that. Like they, they clearly have influenced where wrestling has gone yes. in a big way. Um, the other thing I love about Manami Toyota that you kind of touched on, Leslie, was she's a baby face, but she's like an adult baby face. She's not like, you know, like in the Joshi match I picked, Chigusa Nagayo is like this sort of. Young and full of pep, and kind of literally a baby face, like this young kind of innocent person. Minami Toyota is a baby face in the sense that she is like moral, but she is there's something more adult about her. There's something more mature about her, and it's not just how she looks. It's it's also how she wrestles, but also the decisions she makes in in characterization. It's I I think it's like a more sophisticated grown up take on being a good guy, a good guy that would bring a table out because look, sometimes there's a really bad guy (laughs) and you have to throw them through a table.
0: Yeah. One uh, great match. And my second pick was, uh, Two wrestlers who were inspired and influenced by both Manami Toyoda and Aja Kong. And I picked uh, Mia Yim and Sarah Del Rey, um, two great wrestlers. Mia Yim still wrestles. Uh, Sarah Del Rey should still be wrestling, but WWE hired her just to be a trainer. I'm not still, you know, upset about that at all or bitter or and insanely <laughs> um, upset, you know, that my one of my favorite wrestlers. Doesn't wrestle anymore. That's, that's fine. So she could fucking train. How old is she? She's not old. Oh, she's not old. She's in her 30s. She could She could still go if, if they would let her. But it's fine. I'm, I'm sure uh, uh, Carmella um, learned a lot from her. And <laughs> it, it's all worth it. But Mia Yim versus Sarah Deray. Sarah Deray was the queen of wrestling. This is a independent wrestling show this is what you're gonna get when you go to your local wrestling show if, if you're lucky if you get a really good uh promotion a really good match and that's what this is sarah ray won the best in the world at the time uh miyam she was an up and comer but like like a really hot prospect for a, a rookie because uh she has you know a lot of skill of, of like taekwondo and a lot of athletic training and stuff so she was really like even though she was very young and new, she's she could hold her own against me, uh, against uh, Sarah Daray, but Sarah Daray still kicks her ass. And it's just like this really fast, not very long, just prototypical, like, uh, more experienced heel versus baby female baby face match and i just love it yeah they kick the shit out of each other that doesn't take a lot of your time if if i was going to show somebody like one match to get them into wrestling like this would be uh one of the potential ones because it's just like this pri- like it's like a prime like saturday morning like wrestling style match like it will take place between the commercial breaks and still be very <laughs> good
1: <laughs> yeah i i like that about this one and again if if we're picking for um new, you know, people who've never seen wrestling before. I do think the more you watch, you you develop an eye for it in a different way. And I think some of the stuff, and I think this might be why it's hard for people to get into if they're new to wrestling, is because, like, you know, we've all watched a lot of it. And our favorite stuff a lot of the time are these kind of epic uh, matches that tend to be either a lot longer or uh, particularly brutal, or there's something kind of notable in that way about it. But I feel like that's like, if that's the first thing you watch, you might not totally understand what you're seeing. And I know this because I've been doing, you know, on WrestleSplain, the premise of my podcast is that I am introducing a new fan, my friend Rachel Millman, to wrestling and trying to pick stuff for new people is a challenge i think i think i'm okay at it because i myself am kind of new but if i had seen this if this was the first thing i watched i feel like i would be sold totally
0: awesome awesome brian what do you think
2: I, uh, I this is my first Sarah Del Rey match, but I do know that she has a lot to do with the WWE women. Oh, that especially that's so sad to four. me
0: because you could have seen her live like a bunch of times because she used to wrestle in AIW so much. I, I saw her wrestle in AIW while I guess you were sitting at home doing your anarchist little podcast thing, I guess. <laughs> 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 that depends on when
2: she was wrestling, but. I probably wasn't watching. I didn't start watching. I started with WWE in 2011. And now that I've quit watching that, it's, (laughs) it took me until 2018 to quit watching that. But I I mean, it's a good match. I I enjoyed it. I actually, I don't think I've seen either one of them wrestle. Oh, well me, because the hard, the hard thing about like, cause I watch new Japan and I watch a lot of indie stuff. And I guess I don't watch a lot of women's wrestling anymore because it isn't, as around like you kind of really have to watch wwe to get a lot of it or find a joshi promotion it's not real well represented on the indies you know it
0: depends on the in in the indies some have like almost like half and half sometimes but some like barely bring them in like it's very it's been very up and down there are independent wrestling promotions they're all women like shimmer shine um rise they have they have a few uh, all women it just depends on where you're but that's the thing tell your local promoter you want more women on the show and they'll bring them in
2: yeah for sure for sure yeah i mean aiw brings women in i've i've seen them every time i've gone there um i i mean i i like the match a lot actually the i wanted to tell you this that you know the ring announcer for this yes. match he tried, he tried so hard to sell me a T-shirt <laughs> at Joey Janela's spring break. I tried to buy a Nick Gage T-shirt where he just had a crown on his head. And I was like, I really want this Nick Gage. They didn't have it. So he like dug for it for a while, then tried to sell me every single other shirt at the T-shirts.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah. Carny shit. Go for it.
2: But yeah, I loved it. I, I loved it. I love this idea of like... I, I love the idea i love sarah del rey she was mean she was a bully <laughs> she uh she was just so fucking mean in this match and mia yam she seemed new was she pretty new yeah at she this was time? Fairly new. Yes. yeah but she did a good job she held her own and she like it was cool to see two different styles because sarah del rey didn't look like she did the she seemed more like she really did seem more like maybe a Joshi or, or like just a more flashy style of wrestler where I felt like Mia Yim was doing like a shoot style, which honestly I haven't seen a lot of women do. So I, I thought it was a really good match.
1: Yeah. I, I to the point of, of not watching a lot of women's wrestling, like I don't watch a lot of women's wrestling either for kind of the same reasons. Like I find it less accessible and, I, it really hasn't occurred to me to like make a make a stink about it to to promoters, but i I really should because I don't know i I've been to stuff with i I've seen a lot of intergender wrestling like that seems to be at the indies around me, they do a lot of intergender stuff, but they don't do a lot of just like straight up women's matches.
2: I'm fine with intergender though, too. Like I, like I think it, I
1: like intergender. I, as I long think as it's fun, yeah, but. I
2: want women to have, jobs. Yes. like I get, I'm very depressed about like somebody like Emma, who is a really good fucking wrestler. And is. I mean, I'm sure she's making pretty good money now, but she just, there was really almost nowhere for her to go when they cut her yeah. from WWE. And she is a real talent, you know, and uh, if it just this injustice that Carmela is probably making more money than Emma is, it makes me crazy. You know,
1: it's frustrating. I mean, and with all this stuff with like, we've, we've mentioned all in before and these, there are basically now like it's starting to get a little better for people in the upper echelons of the Indies where they're starting to be able to make a lot of money, but they're all men and there's really no place For women in wrestling to make that kind of money unless you go to wwe and and like and
0: when they get to wwe they're going to make a lot less money than the men
1: than the men absolutely and they're going to generally be underutilized unless you're very very lucky because
2: you only get to wrestle for the title that's it (laughs) yeah the it's the there's cruiserweights and there's women in wwe and those and tag teams you only you only get to wrestle for the title you never get to be in a personal feud
1: how cool would it be if they let just if if 205 live which is the wwe cruiserweight show if they just made that intergender they just let women on it that would rule i would watch <laughs>
2: people it. would freak out there I are a lot of people who have that. a lot of issues with intergender oh, too yes. which i'm totally i i mean i get it i yeah it, i, I kind of it. understand it's, it if it's a woman that has a problem with it i'm generally okay with it if it's a man he's just being a dipshit well, you know what i mean he's just being. About, mm. we've
1: talked about this on russell's plenty a little bit like I used to be of that opinion where, like, if anybody expressed any reservations about intergender, I would immediately shoot them down because it's just like, fuck you. Like, th- like, this is, like I said, wrestling, whatever you want to be, you be. Why can't intergender wrestling exist? But I understand if you're somebody who, like, comes from, uh, has been around domestic violence or something like that. Like, I understand why there are elements of intergender wrestling that you would not be comfortable with. Like, I do get that. That said, I think it's cool, and I get really excited watching intergender wrestling. I think it's really Yeah,
0: my thing is um, I don't care if you're comfortable with it or not. Don't try to take jobs away from women wrestlers who need yeah, them. That's that's, that's very the good point. point. Like you and, don't have and, to watch um, it, you don't have to like it. But when you're saying it shouldn't exist, it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't yeah. exist. You are literally like taking jobs away from women wrestlers because in a lot of territories they don't have two women. You know, they have yeah. no choice but to wrestle men if they want to get experience or get paid. They are a lot and I'm a lot of promotions who won't bring in two women. Um, so yeah,
1: right. I guess that's why why what I was saying where it's like I see intergender sometimes but I I rarely see two women fighting each other on a on an indie show at least near me and uh that's often cuz they don't there aren't more than like two women on a show
2: and and so, you know I've heard like on the indies Some of the experience levels between the women, like, it's just better. You learn more if you wrestle with the men, because the men get to work more matches and they do Mm. more wrestling. So, like, they always say that the you if you wrestle with people that are better than you are, you'll get better. Mm and it sometimes probably can be hard like with that for some of the women who who don't it, 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 only get one match a show yeah. you know that like it's always like right. the 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 thing is like it's always one match per show for two women and that's for the title and that's the only thing anybody cares about and it's not a story and it's not compelling and that's that's what WWE does they they tout that they have something going on but the only time you see the women on TV it's the one match. It's not a division. It's not something. Where do you work your way up? Like they're always like, she worked her way up to get to this title. And it's like, from where (laughs) there were no other matches. Who else did she wrestle?
1: (laughs) They do like one big giant tag match with all the women and then a title match. And the only, they're the only people who are allowed to have storylines are the people fighting for the title. No one else is allowed a feud or a story or anything. It's, very frustrated <laughs> yeah, and,
0: and the thing is like every female wrestler who worked work the indies has a story where they've been booked they've shown up in the town they've driven all these miles and who are they wrestling the promoter's girlfriend in their first match like every oh. single female wrestler has that story has that experience so i never thought about that but yeah or that valet
2: like, did, that, does it happen a lot with valets too? They'll get there and they're wrestling some man, somebody that's a manager that doesn't wrestle.
0: It, it, it can happen, like, like everything. Like, so it's really hard for women wrestlers so you know i understand if you have personal issues and you you dislike it but don't make it harder for people who are already super marginalized in wrestling and have a ceiling that means that no matter how good they do they this will never be like a full-time living for them they will never be able to retire after wrestling like no woman wrestler can do that like even like uh What's uh what's her name? What was the big wrestler, um, female wrestler from WWE? Uh, forget her name. Blonde. Char- Charlotte. No, before. Oh, uh, Alundra Blaze. Uh, no, uh, after Medusa. No, that was before. Um, after that, Lita. Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus okay. still works. Tristratus. Okay, she's prob- they probably handed her more money than they handed any other woman other than Linda McMahon, of course, uh, who they gave $50 million to lose uh, two Senate campaigns. $60 million, actually. $60 million to lose two Senate campaigns. But yeah, uh, so don't make it harder for women wrestlers, please. Yeah. yeah, And buy their merch.
1: Good yeah, that's the other thing that's like really cool about uh, indie shows to me and why I'd recommend going to indie shows is like... Uh, those people are so appreciative. Like they're so they love this so much and they are so stoked that people are into it. Like and you'd go and you you'd buy their merch and you would chat with them and most of them are very nice and they're so happy that you're there and if you can give them 20 bucks for a cool shirt, like it's it's just a great experience yes. all around.
0: Yeah, wrestlers are wonderful people, uh, no matter what Nancy Grace says. They're all wonderful people. (laughs) Japanese wrestlers especially, like, I visit japan a lot to see wrestling lived in japan for a few years they were always so shocked and appreciative that like someone who wasn't japanese was actually like into their wrestling and and knew their stuff like it was really cool like even like the new japan big new japan uh, guys were like oh really you like professional wrestling oh that's really uh, cool thank you so much for coming to the show
1: yeah like because i go i go with rachel a lot to stuff and like when we're, we're talking to people after the show and and she's always like oh yeah you know, my friend Kath like got me into this and brought me the first match. And they always look at me and they say, thank you so much. And it's just like they just want, I mean, obviously they want to be able to make money and want to make a living at it. but it's it's such a weird niche world. and I feel like obviously, I mean, we haven't gotten into it, but like there are definitely spaces in wrestling that are very regressive and that I don't feel comfortable as a woman. and and, you know, there is like still an element of that to wrestling. But it also there are spaces that just feel like a really cool community of people who all like this really weird thing and thus feel a connection to each other and feel like they have to stick together and support each other because it's such a such a strange (laughs) interest that most people don't understand. So there's like a kind of a nice kinship in a lot of places. And that's really nice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we've told you why wrestling is so great we told you some about some of our favorite experiences and our favorite ma- matches so let's see if we have any um good questions uh from our listeners um first question uh who would win in a fight murder brian or kath and what would your wrestling <laughs> names be kath already beat me
1: i
3: did yeah she has
2: my title oh, wow. right now <laughs> I in do. New when York. are
0: you getting that back
2: I don't know. I got cheated. I got cheated the first time, but I'm sure we'll be back in Brooklyn Um, and we'll have to have a rematch.
1: There was a rule book. It was consulted. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to say who authored that rule book, but by the rule book, we won. So
2: we had a comedy. We had a podcasting comedy competition on stage in New York (laughs) and Kath won, but it was unfair okay. but all still right. i we all did right. well we look we came out looking good in the all end right. all right to yeah.
0: be determined all right next question <laughs> should we embrace and roll with the fact that wrestling is kind of homoerotic
1: yeah i think absolutely i do think though that there's like there's an interesting way to deal with the homoeroticism and there's a corny obvious quasi-homophobic way to deal with the
2: homoeroticism yeah i i kind of i i uh it's fucking weird i hate it when people do like oh hey look at those guys rubbing up on our (laughs) rubbing up on each other in the (laughs) ring in their underwears and i'm like i always just want to look at them and be like they're not fucking like what are you (laughs) (laughs) this isn't sex that's the thing you know what i mean i i i feel like most of the times when the homoeroticism of wrestling is being addressed as corny like kath said yeah. it's just quarterly corny and borderline homophobic and like the people that do it smart i you know anybody that talks about it in a smart way I, I mean i'm for anything being talked about in a smart way i'm not one to put limits on how people talk but honestly most of the time when somebody says it to me i find it a boring observation
1: <laughs> yeah i think like I don't know my big thing about wrestling is that like there's really no invalid way to enjoy it and so like if you're enjoying it because of that then like cool but if that's like it's not like particularly insightful uh, to to acknowledge that I think to me like the interesting homoeroticism of wrestling is not oily muscles rubbing against each other it's like the intimacy of the relationship between these two bodies as they wrestle it's not like dudes in their underwear it's like wow you have to really uh connect with one another in order to perform this stuff and that to me is like very intimate and that intimacy between two people of the same gender could be read as homoerotic Mm -hmm. um but i but yeah i think that like you know i Rachel and I are two straight women and we watch a lot of men's wrestling and we talk about who we think is hunky and everything but I, I don't think that that's like I think if I, I think that I don't know long story short it's not uh, the most uh, insightful
0: um, my answer is no the wrestling ring is a place of work It's a place of business <laughs> any sexuality is sexual harassment no it should not be embraced not because it's homoerotic um we can be talking about intergender wrestling whatever it's just no no sex in the violence please come on grow up people um next question um who would you pick to run wve
2: Oh, man i don't really have a st- I, not triple h and not vince mcmahon and not like i'm not going to do a communist or anarchist thing and say the people or the i workers will i will either. definitely
0: say the people and the work um, it, we should break it up and divide and ship all yeah. their wrestling rings to local companies
3: <laughs>
2: i don't know up. i like i like a booker like I I I think the times I've seen where wrestlers were booking the show, it wasn't my favorite times in wrestling. (laughs) I would have to say, like, I mean, like, I like Gatto's booking, but I don't love it. Sometimes I find him a little bit boring and a little bit too conservative. No, in New Japan? (laughs) I, I don't know who I would have run it, but I know that I don't know that I love Triple H's vision, and I don't know that I love... Vin- I hate Vince McMahon's vision. Like yeah. I can't stand what he likes about wrestling. And uh, you know, my hope is that like just other people pop up and start to like siphon off some of some of those viewers and just other people get bigger, you know? Cause I don't, I don't think ring of honors particularly. Well, I think ring of honors terribly booked. <laughs> um, I don't like TNA, although I think it's getting better in a very campy way. And, and like, I, I like MLW. I think it's doing pretty good. So, I mean, I guess, like, if Court Bauer wanted to book uh, <laughs> WWE, I guess that would be the guy. <laughs> All right.
1: Um, I don't really have a good answer, but I do want to say we there's a running uh, vision on WrestleSplania that we are going to start a... Um, cooperatively owned leftist unionized wrestling organization called the workers world wrestling federation. So keep an eye out for that.
0: WWWF.
1: WWWF. It's going to be great. Triple W. All
0: right. And just last question. Just want to end this on a light note. Um, Does wrestling seem to be so popular among online leftist circles because there is a parallel between the materialist views on things, focusing on roles, power relations, structuralist interpretations, and wrestling narratives that contain a lot of these same ideas, or because we're all just a bunch of nerds?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'll say I'm a nerd. Uh, I don't really watch it with any of my politics in mind as as my, my job is to pay attention to these sorts of things now. And I think wrestling is my escape. Like I just, it gets me out. It gets my head out of a world that is quickly descending into fucking terribleness and chaos. And I just look at wrestling and I'm like, I can think I'll sit and think about this. Like I'll sit and think about what's going to happen next on here. And it'll make me feel better. And I, it it just makes me feel good. Wrestling is my self care. But I can see people watching it. Uh, I can see leftists watching it for all sorts of reasons. And, and like uh, they're valid. I just, for me, it's, there's no leftism in my wrestling. I just <laughs> am kind of like, I like what I like. And I try not to think about fucking baby prisons while I'm watching wrestling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think my connection to wrestling comes more from my, um, identity as a performer rather than my identity as a leftist or from my leftist ideology, I can see how, I can see sort of why it's gaining a little bit of traction in leftist spaces. And I, I think it's because it's, um, at its core, it's about power relationships between people and struggle for power and struggle for dominance. And it's, I, I don't think it is uh, particularly, I don't think it lends itself to like a political analysis very neatly, but these are clearly issues that are uh, things that we're thinking about all the time. And so wrestling can kind of sublimate some of that into like a creative expression of that. That is also uh, often uh, violent and funny and uh, sexy and horrifying and all of that stuff that makes it super entertaining. So I, I kind of get why it's, why so many uh, leftist weirdos like
0: it. I, I will say that if you do not understand wrestling, you are incapable of understanding politics. Incapable. <laughs> um, and therefore, you're a bad leftist. So if you don't watch wrestling, um, if you, if you ha- if you, that, that's why we did this show, because we want you all to be good leftists who understand politics and understand the most important prism for looking at them, uh, the squared circle. Um,
2: and the president did learn how to get over. on Yes, wrestling.
0: absolutely.
1: For
2: absolutely. sure. He did.
1: I think that's why it's getting so popular now is because we're approaching r- because real life politics are becoming more and more like wrestling every day. So I think that's what's driving people to it. Yeah, which is I- unfortunate because it's our escape. So what is it? What's going to happen? once? Life is exactly like pro wrestling. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I seriously think dude learned everything he learned before he went out on that campaign trail when he was doing those angles
0: for WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Uh, Our president is a pro wrestler, folks. He's in the (laughs) WWE Hall of Fame.
2: Uh, he is (laughs) he is I'm glad I canceled the network I feel (laughs) good having canceled the network finally when I canceled the network I just felt like this huge weight off of my back I didn't have to watch Roman Reigns wrestle Jinder Mahal
0: (laughs) (laughs) and on that note everyone thank you so much for listening have a good night thank you so much for joining
1: thanks for having us
0: thanks